Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Ephesians 4, we're going to look at a number of verses here, but my title tonight is Do-Gooders, Do-Gooders. You know, sometimes uh, that's been a, uh, you know, disparaging (laughs) thing to be called, oh, you do-gooder you, or whatever, but I want to... Tell you, I want to talk tonight about being do-gooders. You know, as something to to achieve. Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. The King James says in verse twelve, for the equipping of saints, or perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. So the reason that we've got the fivefold ministry, the apostles, prophets, pastors, etc., are to get us to where we can do work. Yay! <laughs> it's so we can do work. Isn't that right? You say, oh, well, that's ministry. Yeah, but it's work. And that's where we are to be equipped so we can work. You know, the thing is that what I really want to talk to you tonight about is cultivating an awareness of other people's needs. Because why are the fivefold ministry equipping us to do works of service, equipping us to do ministry? Because people need help. People need all kinds of help. And we are here to be a blessing to other people. And so God's got us here, wants to be equipped in God's church so that we will be the answer that other people are looking for. Do you know there's a lot of people who are crying out, they've got their prayer list, they've got their prayer request of what they want God to do for them. And do you know that in most cases, God is wanting to use a human being to meet that need? In most cases, he's not wanting to rain something down from heaven. In most cases, he's wanting to use other people to be the avenue that you can receive what you've asked for from heaven. And so since, since we are seeing that God's wanting to bless people through us, then that's why we need to get equipped so that we can be a blessing to somebody else, right? You know, when, when God gives you gifts of healing, it's because he knows there are sick folks out there that need healing. And so for you and me to be equipped for the work of ministry, that is, we're going to understand about how to release those gifts of healing to be a blessing to somebody else, right? You see, there are so many people, they just say, I just want to get it straight from you, God. Haven't we heard people like, I just, I don't need anybody, I just need to get it from you. Do you know that most of the time, God wants to use other people? You know, because God is working to make us interdependent upon one another so that we're not just over off on a mountaintop somewhere, just us and God alone. You know, you can have those times, but God is wanting us to be interrelated with the body of Christ. And so many times you and I are not going to get what we want from God, except that we're working in cooperation with his body that's here on the earth. You know, when God has given us a prophets and apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers and to equip us for works of ministry, that means that when we understand that 
you know, say that Laura is gifted here with gifts of healing, that I don't need to just pray, God, you know, I need healing from you. I can go to someone who, who carries that anointing and I can say, pray for me so I can get what I need from heaven. And then, you know, she's blessed because she got to be an avenue for the Spirit of God to move, move through because she was doing the work of ministry. Then I got blessed because I got my healing. Isn't that right? You see, and that's it. God is wanting us to be equipped for work of service because there's a lot of work that's got to get done out there and it needs to be done by anointed people of God. The word minister, you know, the word minister, sometimes we use that to mean, oh, that's the preacher, you know, or we, we talk about, well, I want to minister to someone. Well, that means I'm going to pray for them. Or that means I'm going to prophesy to them. But if you do a, a, a little study and look up to find out what the Bible calls minister, as far as the verb, I'm going to minister to someone. The word minister means to serve. It's just like when you go into a restaurant and there's a server. The server is there to minister to you, to take your order, to bring your food to you. Okay? To minister means to serve. It means to attend. That's also just like a server in a restaurant. Someone who attends is someone who's waiting to see what else you need. You need your tea glass refilled. You know, your service there. Or if you're in the hospital, a hospital attendant is someone to step in there to make sure that all of your needs are taken care of, right? That if you ring the buzzer, somebody's there to answer. If you need a new blanket or you need your whatever change, that you have an attendant who is there watching to see, to anticipate any needs that you might have. It also means to work publicly at one's own expense. How about that? To minister is to work publicly at one's own expense. You know, it costs you something a little bit to minister to somebody else. It may not be a high cost, but it does mean you put yourself out a little bit. You know, when we talk about, Jen's talking about prophetic teams ministering afterwards, that means they are deliberately staying behind, deliberately offering their time, deliberately making themselves available, you know. This is, this is part of ministering at our own expense to someone else. Those of you who serve on the, on the dream interpretation, you do that on your own time, don't you? Those who minister online prophetically, that's your own time you're doing that. I remember um, talking to Keela one time a couple years ago. We were talking about the, the intercession that God, she feels God's called her to. And she says, I do that on my time. You know, it's one thing to come to prayer meeting where it's official to pray. It's another thing to set aside your own time to minister. You know, and when we're not, we're not just saying you've all got to, you know, set aside hours to pray or whatever, but in whatever extent that we are ministering to the body of Christ, it's going to have somewhat of a personal cost. We're going to minister at our own expense to one another. Another definition of minister is to act as an under rower. Now this, you got the picture of the, you know, maybe the slave ships where you've got their, um, all the slaves are, are got the oars out and they're pushing the, the ship along. An under rower is somebody who's like part of the team working to get the job done. It's under the direction of somebody else, not calling the shots, but doing the part to lend their labor to see that the job gets done. Minister also means to work under another's direction. It means to do priestly service. This would also be intercession. This would be counseling. This would be preaching the gospel, priestly ministry. It means to work. 
you know what, to work. Sometimes ministry are things, you know, things like that are nothing more than just physical labor. You know, you think about it, someone who has got to care for an infant or someone who has to care for someone who is bedridden, you know, that's just physical labor of taking care of somebody else's needs. You know, a couple years ago, you know, when my dad was bedridden and there were so many things he could not do for himself and I was talking to my mom about, you know, it's a real labor of love to care for a person who can no longer care for themselves physically. To do the thing that is, you know, it's a little bit uncomfortable it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's, it's a real labor of love to really get in there and take care of a person's physical needs when they can't do it for themselves. Isn't that right? You know, that is, it's work, but it's also, it's ministry, it's service. The word minister also means to supply. It means to give, to assist, and to lend a hand. To pitch in, to lend a hand. So ministry is much broader than just we're going to pray for folks or just we're going to preach or prophesy to them. Do you know that the Holy Spirit, one of the Holy Spirit's names is paraclete. Paraclete means one who's called alongside to help. I like that. Have you ever been out there raking leaves or shoveling snow? Well, not in Virginia, but you've been out there working in the yard and then someone comes along to help you. You know, I had this happen one time some years ago. We had a heavy snowfall in, um, in Nebraska. And so we're out there, I mean, just trying to dig our way out because it was deep, you know. And you're trying to get your drive, you try to get your, your steps cleared so you can get out the door and then get your uh, steps down to the driveway, get your driveway cleared, then try to work on the sidewalk. You kind of go in steps, you know, like that. And, and we had just gotten a good start on the driveway. And there was, a, there was at least a foot and a half of snow out there. It was a pile up. And so here come the neighbors with shovels across their shoulders. And they said, we've come to help. And, you know, we knocked that thing out in no time. And then, we I mean, before I turned around, they had already cleared the sidewalk. And, hey, we're done. Let's go in and have a cup of cocoa. You know, it was quick because we had somebody else who came alongside to help and made the job so much easier and so much faster. And that's one thing that I especially like about team ministry, where it's not just that one person does it all, but we've got a group of people that work together. We find out this comes in really handy in lots of ways. One way it comes in handy is in dream interpretation. Because sometimes, folks, we'll get a dream and we'll go, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. And somebody else will add their piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And then somebody else has an insight. Before you know it, a teamwork has come. And now we've got interpretation. And we see the same thing happen. When the workload gets divided, no matter what it is, it's always more fun to work with people than to work by yourself. You know, in ministry or in any other way. It's a lot more fun to get a big job done that way. So there are things that God is wanting to improve to supply, and he's wanting to use people to do that. Do you think about this? You might be somebody's answer to prayer. You might be their answer to prayer. How many times has it been that maybe God has laid somebody upon your heart, and as he's laid them upon your heart, you know, you kind of, well, 
You want to strengthen them, bless them, encourage them. You want to do something for them. God put on their heart, on your heart to do something. And then as maybe you argue with yourself, well, that's not really important. Or that doesn't mean anything. And you argue with yourself. But then maybe you finally talked yourself into it and said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. And then come to find out that how precise your act of service or your gift was. It was exactly the thing that they needed. I remember several years ago, there was a, um, a woman in our church, and she had, it was on her heart one, one uh, winter that she, went, she was going to the grocery store, and it was on her heart to pick up various odds and ends baking supplies. And she just felt she was led by the Spirit. And so she was picking up, you know, confectioner sugar and chocolate chips and, and things like that. And she got them together and she brought them and she felt led the Lord to bring them to a single mom. Well, the single mom broke down and cried because it was Christmas time. She had no extra money in the budget to buy things to make cookies for her kids with. And everything that this lady had picked up were all the ingredients that she needed so she could make cookies with her kids. Now, you know, that was a real precious thing. Now, you know, that single mom... Maybe she didn't cry out to God and say, God, I'd really like to make cookies with my kids. But God knew the cry of her heart. And so therefore, he used another woman to supply that need. And she just thought she was kind of being crazy because why would you go to the store and just buy these types of things? But it met a genuine, heartfelt need. And it gave glory to God. You know, you never know the thing that God has put upon your heart may be the very thing that is really an answer to prayer for somebody else. Hallelujah. I remember this happened to me years ago. I think I've shared this before. But many years ago, I, I, had, uh, I had no dress to wear. And I was working, and I didn't have any money. I didn't have time to go to the store or anything like that. And I had started to go to a church. And I says, God, you know, I'd like to have a dress to wear to church. That's all, he's the only person I told. The only person I told, I'd like to have a dress to wear to church. Within a week, I was given two dresses in my size so I could wear to church, you know. And that's kind of a small little thing. But you know what? God used, and in this case, God used an unbeliever to meet my need. God used somebody else. You see, and I, you know, there was a song we used to sing, Make Me a Channel of Blessing, you know, Make Me a Blessing to Somebody Else. You know, God is wanting to make you a blessing because doesn't the Bible say it's more blessed to give than to receive? And so God knows that. So he's wanting you and me to be in a position to where he can lay somebody upon our heart and we can seek to do good for somebody else and be a real blessing and make a positive difference in their lives. Amen. Okay. You know, in Acts chapter 6, verse 2, the 12 disciples were talking and there were so many needs that were coming up from the um, the widows were needing to have the food delivered to them. And so the apostles had gotten all busy doing that. And they finally said, you know what? It is not right for us to leave serving off the word of God and go serve tables. They said serving tables to the widows and orphans is important. But he said, but our job is to serve the word of God. 
So the apostles recognized that even though it was a good thing, this practical service, that was not the very thing that God had called them to do because God had called the apostles to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? And so then it says that in that passage in chapter 6, they raised up and they called together other faithful men. They said, we're going to, just, we're going to delegate this responsibility to you because that's who needs to take care of it. So let me ask you this. You know, we can look around and we can see that, you know, people have needs that need to be met. There are things that could be done to really lighten people's loads and help them. Well, who's going to do that? Who's going to lighten their load, you know? If not you, who? Who's going to do it? You know, there's a lot of people, they just want to wait for the government to do it or wait for the official, you know, ministry to do it or whatever. But, you know, that's not biblical. The biblical way is that our hearts as individuals, we're open and responsive to God. Who are you laying upon my heart? What can I do to be a blessing to somebody else? Amen. And not wait for some official you know, person in the official capacity to take care of it. Let's look over at James chapter 2. James 2. You know, when we think of ministry so often, we're thinking of things just like prayer. And prayer is important, and prophecy is important. But we need to have all these things in a proper balance. In James chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 14. He says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Verse 15, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. I think there's a couple of applications of these verses. Number one is that we understand the power of the prayer of faith, and we understand the power of the confession of our mouth. And so we can know that somebody has a serious physical need. We can join together with them and pray the prayer of faith, and we can decree to them, go, be warmed and be filled. You know, your needs are met in Jesus' name. But you know what James says? If that's where it stops, that's not enough. Because if they still are going home hungry and you have it within your means to do something about it, then that's not demonstrating the real faith of God, you know. There was times that Jesus prayed and met people's, you know, emotional needs. He met their spiritual needs. But there's times he fed those people too, you know. There are times that, that you know, God will lay it upon our heart, yes, pray for so-and-so, but also give them $20, you know. Pray for so-and-so, give them a hug, but also offer, you know, this, you know, offer to babysit or offer to clean their house or fill their car up with gas or do something else to make a blessing unto their lives. And, you know, and a lot of times in America, we don't think that way. We just think throw money at it, you know. I just write them a check and I'll be done with it. But God is wanting us to be involved with one another's lives. And so, you know, there are some times that, you know, if you know somebody is, is hurting, then in addition to praying for them, ask yourself, what else can I do besides just praying for them? What else can I do for them? And let me tell you, too, it's, it's really wonderful to be led by the Spirit because, you know, there's a lot of times that there are people that you think that they don't have any needs, but they actually do have needs. Sometimes what's going on is it's, 
it's last year's prosperity you're looking at. You know, last year when they bought the car when the money was good. Last year when they bought the house when the money was good. This year it's not so good. And so sometimes we look at people and we say, well, you know, they drive a nice car and they got a nice house. They wear nice clothes. Yeah, but that could have been last year's prosperity. They may be having the electricity turn off tomorrow afternoon. You know, you don't know. That's why the word says we can't judge by outward appearance because you just don't know. Sometimes it's real easy to look at somebody who, well, they, you know, they look like, you know, the official poor. You know, they officially look poor, you know, give to them and not understand that somebody sitting next to them is in a worse state just because they're not carrying the outward show of it. And I tell you, this happens more often than you might think. It really does. It's real easy. Let's just say it this way. It's real easy to understand that a single mom with four children, she's probably, she's probably got financial needs. Probably. But maybe not. Maybe she's got a hefty child custody and alimony thing going on and generous grandparents. Maybe she's okay. Maybe instead it's the young couple that he got laid off last month but nobody knows about it. That's really the person who's in need. You know, we want to be led by the Spirit because God knows exactly where folks are at. Okay? Another way to look at this scripture here. is we want to understand where people live. One of the reasons that we have been focusing so much the last year or two on health and finances are because these are the two major issues of people's lives right now. In this country, that's where people's, that's where people's money goes. That's where their worry goes. You think about it. If we had people and we got rid of all their debt and they got rid of that lousy job, okay, if we got rid of all their medical bills, then what would their lives be like? A lot better, isn't that true? How many people have we seen that they don't have, they don't have the very practical skills and understanding about how to live life? So it's part of our responsibility in the church in equipping the saints is also to teach people things, like teach people how to parent. Have you all met some folks that don't know have a clue about parenting? been around them in Walmart lately? I have. I've been around people that have no clue how to parent. You know, they need instructions on that. People that have no understanding about how to handle credit, how to handle finances. And this is why we've been offering classes on these sorts of things. Classes on marriage, classes on, on uh, finances, classes on parenting, all these types of things. Because this is what's going to really help people learn how to live. Jesus said in Matthew 28, that we are to go into the world, preach the gospel, and to teach them to observe all that he has commanded us. And this has to do with living our lives on a daily basis. This is about getting along with people. This is about keeping, um, keeping your relationships in order, keeping your finances, your health in order. All this stuff in covers, is covered under the gospel. And so when we think about this, when people come to the Lord Jesus and they come into the church... Yes, they need to know how to pray. They need to be trained how to pray in faith. They need to be trained about their authority. They have authority over all the works of the devil. They need to know how to operate the gifts of the Spirit. They need to understand about all those types of spiritual things. But most people need a lot of training in the practical aspects of life as well. You know. 
So we want to we want to understand that this is all part of service and ministry to one another. You know, Bible tells us things like young women need to be taught how to love their husbands. Well, who would think that that would be necessary? But the Bible says that older women need, need to teach younger women these things. Need to teach them how to care for their homes and care for their children. But that, is, that falls within the category of works of service. Let's look over at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, you know the familiar verses in 2 Timothy 3 where it says that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. So the Scripture is there, and it's given that we may be equipped for every good work. So whether that means that we are feeding the hungry, or we are teaching people how to vote, or teaching people how to balance a checkbook, or teaching them how to take authority and walk in faith and in confidence. This is all part of ministry. 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse 17. It says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good. That is to be do-gooders, right? Instruct them to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So we are to instruct, especially it says here, the rich to be good and to be generous. You know, you would think, it would, you would think that the people who make the most money are the ones who would be the most generous. But it's not true. It's not true. When I, I mean, you can look at it in so many different situations. But I have noticed here, I know of three or four recent events that I knew that the people who did the largest amount and the most frequent giving were those with less income. And the ones who make the most, a lot of times, they're not given to anybody else. And, and you know, and the thing is, it's not that people are trying to be cold or insensitive, but they've not cultivated an awareness of somebody else's needs. You know, because when your needs are met, you tend to think, well, everything's okay, right, with everybody? And let's face it, if you've been making nice money for a while, and it's been a long time that you ever had to be concerned about paying the phone bill or paying the car payment, if that's been a long time ago, you might have forgotten what that feels like. But there's a lot of people, they, that's a fresh memory for them, what that feels like. Ooh, I have a car payment due, or I have a phone bill due. I have something that's really fresh right now. And so that's why it's the people to whom that memory's a little fresher, they're the ones that tend to be the ones that are generous and help out. They're a little closer to the need that somebody else has. But what does Paul tell Timothy? He says, instruct those who are rich to do good and to be generous. So I'm instructing you. If you've got plenty of money and things are all work out just hunky-dory for you, great. Find somebody to be a blessing to. Try to remember way back when, when you were scraping to get your rent paid. And ask God to open your heart to who it is that you can do good to and seek to be a blessing. You know, we've said it, we've heard it said over and over, you can't outgive God. Nobody believes that. 
Come on, nobody believes it. It's a nice thing to say, but nobody believes it. I can prove it. Anybody who says they believe it, let me see your checkbook register. And we'll see what you've been doing with your money for the last six months. You know, if we believe it, then our checkbook register is going to demonstrate it, right? And I'm not saying you have to believe it. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that the Word instructs us to do good and to be generous. And so what we want to do is to begin to cultivate an awareness of our surroundings and the people who are around us, what's going on. You know, what is it that made that one lady sensitive that made her buy ingredients for Christmas cookies for her kids? What was going on was she was paying attention to the people around her, and she was sensitive to the Spirit of God. You know, if we will pay attention to what's going on around us and be sensitive, God will alert us to other people who maybe need our help, and maybe they don't need financial help, you know. Maybe what they needed was physical labor. Maybe they needed babysitting. Maybe they needed something, a skill taught to them. Maybe they needed something else that maybe they were a little reluctant to ask for help for, you know. I mean, there have been times maybe you just need your snow shovel. You know, you need somebody else to just pick in and to choose to be a blessing to you. I want to be a do-gooder. How about you? We're going to be do-gooders. All right, so as we are instructed, we can help other people. All right? So if we're going to be do-gooders, we're going to be equipped to do the work of ministry, then let's make sure that we have something to offer. Okay? You say, well, I don't have any extra money today. Okay, you don't have to have any extra money today. But have you got something that you can offer? Do you know how to pray the prayer of faith? Do you know how to encourage and strengthen somebody else? To give testimony about God's goodness in your life can help somebody else? Do you know how to, um, to get behind and, and pray in agreement and to flow in spiritual gifts? If you have gifts of healings, do you know how to release that? Do you know how to operate in however God has called and gifted you to be a blessing to somebody else? You know, one of, the, one of the most amazing and appreciated gifts I was ever given was right after I had an extended stay in a hospital. And when I came home, the church prepared meals for my family for two solid weeks. I had a husband and two kids. For two solid weeks, they brought dinner to the house. You know, that was the best thing anybody could have done for me outside of pray for me. I mean, absolutely. You know, it had been one thing to just give me money and say, well, here, buy a pizza. But to actually fix a meal and bring it to my house, I'm telling you, that was one of the, that to this day is one of the most precious gifts I have ever received. And probably those people have even forgotten they have done it. But I remember because I remember how precious that it was. You know, well, we want to offer practical help, but practical help where it's needed and appreciated. <coughs> you know, they would talk about how the, the Boy Scouts, I remember hearing this when I was uh, a kid, and they talk about, well, you know, Boy Scouts, they're supposed to do things like help little old ladies cross the street, right? Well, I heard a joke one time about, there was, a, there was a Boy Scout, and he was helping this little old lady and having quite a time getting her across the street. And the man came up and said, that was so nice of you to help that little old lady cross the street. He says, yeah, it was tough because she didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> we want to make sure that the help that we offer is actually desired and appreciated. 
you know, sometimes people want to help us and we really don't want that help. Thank you. That was sweet, but thank you. It's really not something that, you know, particularly wanted. So it's really, our help will be appreciated when it's something that's desired. And, you know, that's the whole thing about giving a gift, right? It's not about us. It's about the recipient. It's about the recipient being blessed. You know, when we, when we buy a Christmas present for somebody, we, we buy them something they like, not something we like, right? I always hear about the guy who, you know, bought his wife a, a fishing rod, bought his wife a rifle, bought his wife, you know, boots in his size. I don't think he was married very long. But <laughs> it's to buy something that the other person would like, you know. Every now and then I've had somebody give me a gift, and, and I was thinking, I know you absolutely love this sort of thing, but why did you think I did? You know, there's nothing in my house, nothing in anything. If you do anything about my life, you would never have given me that, you know. I appreciate they wanted to give me something, but you know what? It didn't show that they had any real interest in being a blessing to me personally, right? So as our giving, we want to make sure it's something that's going to be desired and appreciated. So, you know... God is trying to get us to be interdependent and also to overcome all forms of selfishness because human nature is to be extremely selfish. It doesn't take long. You look at a little kid growing up, and as far as they're concerned, the world revolves around them. Thank you very much, right? And that's the way a child sees everything. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And as a child grows up, they begin to have a sense of there's somebody else on this planet besides you. There's somebody else who has some needs besides you. And so most people learn a lot of that sort of thing as they grow up, but not necessarily. And then a lot of people, they get further training in selflessness when they get married and have children. Once you get married, you have somebody else that you're living with, that you have discussions over which way the toilet paper goes and the toothpaste cap and the, and I thought we were spending money on this and no, we're spending on that and, and, you have all that kind of give and take going on, and then you add to that, then you throw in a baby who has a completely different idea of what nighttime is supposed to be like in daytime and, and what you're supposed to do. And so a lot of people's natural life lends them towards chipping away at selfishness in their lives. But some people's, you know, many people's life situations don't work that way either the thing with the, the spouse and the child doesn't work it out of them, or they, they are a single adult and they don't have those opportunities. But God has designed the church so that everybody has a chance to grow up and mature. And so in a proper, healthy church environment, we're supposed to be like family to one another. So all of the you know, single adults who maybe don't have those pressures and demands put upon them from a spouse, they get those pressures and demands put upon them from the church because God's designed to work selfishness out of us. You know, because otherwise, as long as your life is just your own and nobody can put any demands upon you, then guess what? You get set in your ways, don't you? We all tend to get set in our ways. I got my own set about certain ways. But you know what? Ministry tends to pull you out of your ways. Ministry to other people being concerned about their needs tends to put a change in what your agenda was, what your schedule was, and how you're spending your time and how you're spending your money. Hallelujah. We sacrifice for ministry. We give our time. We give our money. 
Selfishness is going to be overcome as we understand the preciousness of other people. One of the signs of a healthy, growing believer is their service to other people. It's not how many Bible verses you know. It's not how many times you show up for church. But it's what is the, the fragrance of your life producing. You know, and that means outside the church service, too. Because sometimes we just think, well, you know, I come to church and I do all the stuff there. But your life is not within those couple of hours on the weekend. Your life is spent during the other six days of the week. And that's what we want to see is the fragrance of Christ coming through. Are you a do-gooder out there? Are you looking for people that you can minister to out there in whatever capacity that God's given you that ability? When we give in service to other people, a sign of maturity is to give to those who cannot pay you back. Jesus taught that, right? Throw a banquet and invite those who can't invite you back. It's one thing if I invite you to your, I invite you to my house and you invite me to your house and we just go back and forth. It's another thing if I invite you to my house and I know that there's no way you can pay me back. I take you out to dinner because I can, not because I expect you to take me out, right? There's a difference there. Also, it's service to others without recognition. Sometimes people serve, but they want the accolades. You know, this is where Jesus talked about doing your alms, doing your gifts in secret. There are sometimes God will lay somebody upon your heart and say, do good to them and don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Make it quiet. And I love because in my capacity, sometimes I get to be the person who gets to pass along that little blessing. Sometimes people will tell me, I want to bless so-and-so, but I want it to be anonymous. I go, okay, good. I love to help. And so I get in the middle and I get to say, here, God wants you blessed. And they go, well, who? I said, God wants you blessed, you know. And it's our little secret, and it's kind of fun that way. Jesus said that, when we were ministering, remember when he talked about, you came to visit me in prison, you, you fed me, you clothed me, and what did he say? He says, if you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. You know, every little small act of service that we have done for somebody else, Jesus takes it personally as something being done for him. And it's so many times, it is the small things that are the things that are the most, the most precious and the most important. Let's flip over to 2 Timothy 3, since you were in Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, at verse 1. How many of you think that we're in the last days? Have you heard that said once or twice? We're in the last days? 2 Timothy 3, 1. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. Do we see that now? People just love themselves. It's every man for himself. How about lovers of money? Greed is running almost everything in this country. Anybody else see that besides me? Everything is being run by greed, it seems, right? Boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, how about that? <coughs> lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness. Does that mean that you can have people who are lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, but they seem to be godly? Yes, that's exactly what that says. That's people that come to church, 
They, on the outside, they look like they're doing things okay, but inside, they love themselves, they love money, and they love pleasure. See, Jesus is after people who want to do good to others, to be a blessing to somebody else. It says, even in verse 5, to avoid such men, as, such men as these. I don't want to be a lover of self, a lover of money, or a lover of pleasure. I want to be a lover of God and be someone who seeks to be a blessing to other people. So guess what? We're going to cultivate unselfishness on purpose. Galatians 6, 9, 10 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. You know, let's look for ways to do good to folks. Not even to people that necessarily have heavy, strong needs, but how can we be a blessing and help somebody else? You know, we think about this about every Christmas, don't you? You think about this at Christmas time, you think about this at Mother's Day, or Secretary's Appreciation Day, Pastor's Appreciation Month. You know, we think about, you know, when Hallmark or somebody's got a, you know, something out there, they make cards, they want to sell things to cause us to remember and appreciate the people in our lives. But you know what? You don't have to have a special opportunity. Isn't that right? You know, we don't have to wait for Christmas or Secretary's Appreciation Day or Mother's Day or anything like that because the Scripture says that while we have opportunity, let's do good to them now. Let's do good to them now. Let's show the people that we care about them now instead of waiting. Well, I got six weeks till Christmas. Hey, why don't we let them know now that we appreciate them and now that we want to do good to them? You know, sometimes we've seen people with a need and we've said, well, I'll wait till Christmas. You know what? They could starve between now and Christmas. You know, there are some things that these are immediate needs and it may not necessarily fit a holiday, but, it's, but we want to do good to all people. The Bible is clear that we are to show love to one another, to serve one another, to watch out for their interest. Jesus said... It was more blessed to give than to receive. You know, we've talked about that in lots of ways with spiritual gifts, about how much fun it is to receive revelation, to receive something from God, and to watch somebody genuinely, truly get blessed. It's really an encouragement to know that we've been able to be a blessing. So I want us to pray, and let's just ask God to help us to cultivate unselfishness and to make us do-gooders. I'm going to be a do-gooder. Father, in Jesus' name, your word says that we need to, by love, serve one another and to seek to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. So, Father, I ask right now that you would open our hearts and open our eyes, that you would make us aware, Lord, of what you're wanting us to, to do, what we can say or do that can be a strength, an encouragement, or a blessing or support or service to those people that you've brought into our lives. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would make each one of us a do-gooder, that, Lord God, that we would be people who are abundant in showing forth and demonstrating your love and your care for your people in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Lord God, that you would make us sensitive, that, Lord, that our eyes will be open, that we begin to pay attention to other people and see what's going on in their lives and look for ways, Lord, that we can be a blessing and a strength and encouragement to them in Jesus' name. And Father, I also want to praise you and thank you because so many times you've laid us upon other people's hearts. 
We've all been the recipients, Lord, of somebody else's prayer, of somebody else's kindness, of somebody else's encouragement. And Lord, sometimes it was just a small thing, but it meant so much to us. And Father, we are thankful, Lord. And we want to be those people, Lord, that can supply needs with the provision that you give to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would truly demonstrate the love of God, that we would truly love one another as we love ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.